All right, thank you so much for tuning in to Forward Thinking Founders. This is the podcast where we highlight undiscovered talent. We're scanning Y Combinator, Pioneer, Product Hunt, Twitter, Indie Hackers, all these different networks to find really interesting founders and interesting projects and startups, and we feature them on the podcast before you've probably heard of any of them. And what's great about this is you get to follow along on their journey as they become more and more successful and say, I knew them when. So thank you so much for tuning in to Forward Thinking Founders, and let's get into our next founder you haven't heard of, but you will. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we're talking to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Dylan and Six, who are the creators of Why You Are. Hey, guys, welcome to the show. How's it going? Great. Hey. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, thanks for coming on. I honestly am so stoked to be talking to you. I, I recently got your product. It's so cool, and I'm just excited to dive into you know, the why behind it and how it works, et cetera. But for people that haven't used it, have no idea what I'm talking about, can one of you describe what why you are is? Yeah, so, um, you know, the, the, the term I literally came up with two hours ago was uh, Peloton meets PlayStation. Um, basically, what we do is we interpret uh, the spatial movement of virtual reality and interpret that into fitness metrics. So we can predict any, everything from, like, you know, your heart rate to squats to how many calories you're burning over burning over a given time. Um, and yeah, then the end user interacts with that with within virtual reality or from our mobile applications. Um, and we have 70,000 registered users and about a quarter of those use it every week. That's awesome. So I have a ton of more questions. But first, I want to make a little not a disclaimer, but just a note to everyone listening. Um, I, so I'm a user of this. I have a Quest and Quests are actually like relatively inexpensive compared to the Oculus Rift. So note, if you're listening to this episode and you think this is really cool, you could actually like get, get on this. VR is not that, you know, unattainable. It's actually pretty reachable with the Oculus Quest. So um, I just wanted to make that note out there. Um, so I'd love to talk to you both about, um, can you kind of talk about the user experience of, um, of, is it a, can you just describe what it is? Is it a watch that I wear in real life? Is it just in virtual reality? Do I have a different watch for different games? Can you just kind of a little sure. more so describe what it's like for a user if they have why you are and, and how totally. and what they're able to do with it? Yeah, and you know what? I'm super happy that you're this enthusiastic user um, who kind of also from firsthand experience understands what this is. Um, so the thing that's a bit counterintuitive about our product is that it's completely virtual, right? So the, the thing for those of you who are listening uh, and aren't super familiar with virtual reality is that when you put on a virtual reality headset, it completely removes your ability to see the rest of the world, right? So let's start with that foundation point. And then from there, working backwards, the user experience is really like, how do we put fitness metrics at the touch of someone's hand if they can't see their phone or their, their wearable devices? Uh, and that's kind of like the the niche uh, sweet spot of why you are. So it's a cross-platform product, which works with multiple headsets on the market. And right now, if you own an Oculus Quest like yourself, you can just download the product and automatically track calories and fitness metrics across any game. Uh, but the experience you had was one of our most recent uh, UX overhauls. And that is if you're in one of four specific games right now, 
you can sign in to a YUR watch interface in any of those games. So that's a virtual watch. And I can go into more details about how that works. Yeah, I, I definitely do. I want to, um, I do want to dive in. I want to describe to people, um, my, my ex- and describe to both of you. So my experience with YUR is I saw it on, I believe it was Product Hunt. And I mm-hmm. downloaded it. I think I did it on Steam. I don't know if I finished that. But like I did something on Steam. And then it just kind of like almost like forgot about it because like I didn't know how to get it onto my quest. And I'm like, Ugh, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand VR, yeah. you know, and I, and I don't. I'm just a user. And then the next right. time I'm playing a racket RX, it's just on my wrist and it says sign in. And it's just like <laughs> and, and I just sign in and then I, I'm counting calories. That's how would you do? Can, how, how does that work? Like, mm. I'm a techie person and I still don't yeah. understand. Can you please break down how frictionless your onboarding process is and how you can do that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so just from like a baseline level, if you already have your account with YUR, what it's going to do as long as it detects the um, the quest service layer that's on your quest is it's going to automatically log you in because you're probably already authenticated with that. Uh, but if you're not, what you can do is use a six-digit PIN that the watch interface will generate for you. And then you can just go to yur.watch and punch that in. And then it'll automatically log you in. So it's really interesting because you don't have to do any typing. Uh, that's one of the kind of key learnings there if you're a virtual reality designer is that dealing with a keyboard in VR is usually a no-go. But also from a privacy perspective, um, we don't want uh, game developers or other application uh, viewers that if you're a streamer to see your private information as you type it in so that's how it works yeah that makes sense and g- big ups on the not typing I- idea that is kind of a pain in vr um it's a great I, idea I there i just want to clarify yeah. one thing real quick um what the watch is is basically the most user-friendly manifestation of a way to digest fitness metrics Mm -hmm. So, like, if you imagine, first of all, like, what do people usually check when they're trying to check their fitness metrics? They check their smartwatch, right? And so we have really interesting, you know, we've basically instilled this user behavior that whenever I want to check my calories, I check my Apple Watch or I check my Fitbit and I essentially look down at my wrist, right? And so what we wanted to do is what the your watch is, is just an SDK, you know, like, like, it's just a software development kit, but we wanted it to have some type of like potentially physical kind of meta association to what people see in everyday life as how do I, you know, connect with fitness metrics. So we thought, okay, well, a smartwatch is the easiest way to do that. In fact, it goes to such an extent of user behavior that our users actually start to look down at their wrists in real reality when they take off their headset to check their fitness metrics. We've had some, you know, a few different user stories of people starting to do that. So it's kind of like the evolution of design is you don't want to take something that's completely alien to consumers. You want to take something that's somewhat familiar and iterate it a little bit. So that's essentially the, the uh, logic and design behind the year watch. And also note for both of um, your knowledge, both of your knowledge bases for this, you probably already know this, but I also use the watch um, on top of the fitness tracking, but I use it as an actual watch. I don't know what time it is when I'm in VR. I'm playing VR, so it's actually really useful when I have a call, you know, I'm cooking, you know, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. come check the time. Yeah, actually, actually, 
Jeremy Balenson over at Stanford is one of the researchers responsible for giving that an actual name. It's like time dilation, I believe. So the, the idea that you um, first and foremost usually can't see the time. And then secondly, um, as you become more familiar with virtual reality, you'll notice that you kind of forget the time's passage. Um, so it is kind of one of the baseline utilities of the watch is being able to check time. So I kind of want to talk a little bit about leverage in the VR ecos ecosystem. So and it's, I wouldn't call it leverage. It's more of like how this all connects together. So you both built a watch. And this watch, me as a user, I like it. And I want all the apps or all the games that I play to have that watch. Can you talk a little bit about how does this spread in the VR ecosystem? And um, I don't even know what to ask because like, this is the most advanced VR conversation I've had because you guys are obviously very in it and you're talking about like items in virtual world. So can you just talk about like, I guess, how this grows? Like, I don't even know what growth looks like for why you are. Is it getting to different games? Is it making your own games? Would love kind of a, um, a lowdown on that. Uh, yeah, so I, I can speak to that pretty well. So uh, one of the biggest issues people have when they build an SDK inside of any ecosystem is the chicken and egg problem, where they go to developers and they say, hey, this is really cool, but we haven't integrated it with any developers, so we don't have a case study, right? So, so like, you know, one of the biggest issues with building an SDK is that chicken and egg problem. Um, so one of the things that we recognize very early on um, also from my prior experience in my previous company was that you have to essentially build a vertical around that, that, you know, tranche of value before you come to developers and say, integrate this SDK. So what we were able to do is basically build these system level services on, you know, SideQuest and uh, Steam. And what that allowed us is basically when we approach developers, we would say, hey, look at this. People are using your game for fitness. And now we have an SDK that makes that user experience better versus the other way around would have been like, you know, hey, we have an SDK. No, no big developers have in integrated it, but we promise it's going to be cool. Right. That makes sense. So I, I might need some education on um, like I, I myself am not a developer, although I am kind of like a techie. Like, do you, is your goal to then go to a game developer and say, hey, you have a game, use our SDK, it'll be more valuable to your users. And then does the game pay you? Do you get, is it, do you get paid like with ads? If you're not, if you haven't figured that out yet, you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. But I'm kind of curious, like in a world of VR, how does, how does it, um, I guess, where does money come from or is that not kind of in the arena at the moment? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question, Matt. I mean, for this, from the standpoint of where um, the simple transactions lie, obviously, you know, user pays X amount for the game and that's the starting point. Um, but really, it's, especially in this economy, it's easy to burden the user with, okay, you've bought the headset, now you need to buy this game, now you need to buy this other thing. So for that reason, we haven't monetized and we're continuing to offer our VR experiences for free for download right now. It's, it remains to be seen how we're going to monetize down the line. But obviously, uh, there have been waves of companies that have tried to do ads and we just don't think that that is probably scalable at this point in time. So that's a crucial question, but I think it comes for down the line. Yeah, I, I actually like, definitely agree with that simply because it's not like you're in a space 
where it's all already figured out. Like it's not like it's, this is SaaS where there, there's models that are that you can look at that have been done. You're kind of in uncharted territory. And that's that kind of leads me to the next kind of category of questions, which is the VR landscape. I think a lot of people think, um, I mean, I know that a lot of people think that VR is dead, that it's not growing, you know, that, that Facebook bought Oculus and nothing came of it. Um, I, do, I think there's a, a growing group of people that are starting to disagree. I think a lot of these people are getting the quest and are seeing the magic and then are like, wow, no, this is a thing. It's just, you know, distribution of the quest. So where do you kind of higher level above why you are, where do you see the development of like the VR ecosystem and where do you see why you are inside of that? Like, is there, can, why you are only thrive once VR thrives? Is it, is, is it like, can you work with a small pond? Um, do you have any theories or thoughts on just the ecosystem and as it's, as it grows? Yeah, I mean, speaking of the pond, you know, there's the saying, you're either a big fish in a small pond or a small fish in a big pond, right? And, you know, clearly VR is in the category of being, you know, us being the goal of being a big fish in a small pond. Um, But it's important to note that our technology will extend into AR as well. So, you know, we have information that, you know, Apple is kind of hard stapled, you know, 2021, 2022 to come out with their own offerings. And there's quite a few, you know, bigger companies that are, you know, starting to really see, hey, if we just let Oculus win, which is essentially what's happening, because this headset, the the Quest is basically sold out the second it goes live over and over again. And you can be rest assured that these big companies are not going to just let Facebook win the XR market, right? Because the Quest is, is more than anything else, if you look at it, it's a prototyping tool towards everything. Because a lot of the features, you know, the, the, the pass through, is essentially AR prototyping as well. You know, what they're doing with the hand tracking, a lot of this is, is, is in a broader spectrum of, of XR. Um, and it's important to note that we're building technology that easily translates into AR ecosystems as well. And, and it, you know, as a startup, you, you can only focus on so much. And so our biggest draw is we want to win the, the kind of base technology that powers that entire vertical. And we think that, you know, VR gaming explicitly for active movement is the best like like unique value proposition of vr gaming right now as it is like it it seems to you know us be such an obvious you know vertical for us and and we only see it growing and you know to speak you know final note about that is if you imagine where we were just two years ago we were tethered to a desktop with lighthouses in the air pointing down 45 degrees, and we considered that a consumer product, right? And people were playing Beat Saber and losing 50 pounds while tethered to a desktop that's sitting on their floor. And so what the Quest did is it removed that, that, you know, that cable. And what we see with that is that people who play VR games for the active exercise narrative play it significantly longer now, and they're and they're also much more expressively, you know, active because they know they're not tethered. So I would say it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning of this whole ecosystem. It's so exciting. It definitely is just the beginning. And I, I so I myself bought a Oculus Rift, I don't know, three years ago, four years ago. And I actually returned it because I decided after, you know, a week or two, the cost of the PC and you know, everything wasn't worth what I was getting. Um, but I recently got the Quest maybe four months ago. 
and it it truly is a game changer and you can't understand until you try it i think that's key every like i've I, on twitter i you know you got some vcs and tech influencers saying vr is dead i'm like have you tried quest they're like no i'm like okay well try quest and tell me that you know after you try it um so a couple more questions and we're wind, running out of time so these are more self-indulgent questions um i sure. have only used why you are on racket nx and it's been fun mm -hmm. i love racket nx i don't yeah. think any other i only have four games i'm trying kind of I'm, I'm budgeting i'm getting one game a month um so i'm getting a new game soon what is the favorite what is your favorite experience or one of your favorite or suggested ex um, experience or game that i should get that is really great for why you are and just like great for fitness on the quest if i already have R racket nx yeah i'm I'll start off with a, a note for your listeners. For those of you who don't know what Racket NX is too, um, it's essentially like virtual tennis. So I actually play tennis in, in real reality. And so during this whole coronavirus lockdown, I was playing Racket NX to kind of shadow swing and, and you know, keep practicing. Um, and I think that's a really great entry point for a lot of people who don't want to approach like a serious rhythm game or, you know, some of these more immersive, um, uh sort of shooters and so forth so that that note aside i think we see a lot of people use apps and experiences that have almost nothing to do with uh fitness explicitly right so that's kind of the magic of why you are the secret sauce there is you can turn your favorite game into a fitness experience um and and i think that's also one of the interesting unique value props of your uh, which is that when you look at the stereotypical fitness industry a lot of those products um, be it a, an exercise bike or a concept two rower are geared towards folks who are already interested in the workout aspect. Whereas we're kind of speaking to this entirely new intersection of people who didn't really connect with that in the first place. So we're sensitive enough to say, Hey, like Pavlov VR, which is like a multiplayer shooter. It, it can be a workout, right? You might throw some squats in there. So maybe that, but I would also add in uh, box VR, is is built towards workouts so you got different types of um intervals there if you're looking for a high intensity type type training um for uh i wish i remember the name i actually have a boxing game um but it's it's very i, f I feel like there it's not geared to fitness i mean i sweat a lot during it but i've seen bo box vr and i've i've um maybe i'll maybe i'll check it out well cool i have, I have a couple more questions for you then we'll wrap wrap it up so um, you have, I mean, this is one of the most, I mean, I talked to all sorts of founders on this podcast and everyone has a really interesting technology and software, but I kind of have like a sweet spot, spot for VR because it's such a nascent category that's going to grow a thousand X, if not more over the next decade or two. Um, so I think you guys are in a very powerful spot. Love to hear what's the big vision. If you looked out 10 years or 20 years or as far out as you want, what is why you are look like what does it feel like what is it you know who, who's using it would love to hear the big vision well i i think that it's important to note that our beachhead market is explicitly gamers um so what we see right now is a lot of people who just literally don't exercise at all are our biggest power users so you know if you if you want to think of like what our entry point into the market is that is where we're at right now and when we really con you know converge into mainstream is when you know dylan and i also like you know we go to the gym we're like pretty active in the gym and just you know conventional fitness methods as well 
And I think when it really pushes into the mainstream is that when we can say that it is not only the most fun form of exercise, but also the most effective. And so I, I would say that the future of that looks like, you know, I, I imagine, you know, like you've, you've watched Dragon Ball Z, you're like throwing spells at each other while running out in a field, or you're, you know, lifting these, these, you know, you're watching these virtual objects and you're like tanking a massive dragon, but you're like lifting something heavy at the same time. Right. And, and, you know, to speak a little bit more about my background, my name six actually comes from world of Warcraft. And so a lot of, you know, uh, the logic of what we do is how do we make gamers use something for a long period of time? Because I was addicted to, you know, games for a long time. So I would say the future of it really looks like the most fun and the most effective form of exercise. What that looks like in terms of product is, you know, an AI or on a headset. There's a, f a few different methods, you know, in terms of the actual product. But uh, that's kind of the future that uh, I personally see. And to make that future happen, to make the vision happen, you'll need some help. You know, you'll need some more users like me and all your other users. You'll need maybe investors, maybe you'll need more team members, and you also need help from the forward-thinking founders community. So for my last question of the podcast, it is how can the forward-thinking founders community help you? Is there an ask that you have that anyone that's listening can assist with? Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, for... For us, I think it'd be just interesting to know, um, you know, what's been the hardest part of dealing with the house lockdown uh, taking place right now for the coronavirus for you in your exercise regime? Um, and assuming you go back to your normal exercise routine after the lockdown, uh, what would you appreciate now that you probably didn't appreciate before about at-home fitness? Um, and then, you know, finally, you know, in this point in time, uh, if uh, there's a hardest part of the coronavirus. Uh, if you just let us know uh, what that's been, we're also sensitive to um, to the idea that check writing ability is probably reduced. So if you are still writing checks, that's an that's an obvious ask as well to reach out. All right. Um, well, thank you both for coming on. Huge fan of this. Going to be a user for a very long time. Uh, probably forever as VR is, you know, an early industry and just really impressed with what you're doing. So keep it up and, um, and uh, keep me along for the ride as a user. I'm looking forward to what, what's to come. Absolutely. Appreciate it, Matt. Thank you so much, Matt. Okay. Thank you everyone for tuning into that episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. And luckily there's another one coming up real soon. But before then, I have a couple things to tell you. First, if you're listening to this and you think you're working on something cool or you think you're smart, hit me up on Twitter. I am at Matt underscore Sherman, and that is Matt with one T. So hit me up, shoot me a DM, and I'm happy to check out what you're working on and maybe we can get you on the pod. But at the very least, I'm happy to give you feedback on your product or project or startup. Lastly, if you can please rate this podcast in the iTunes store. That would be awesome. I'm trying to get up in the rankings so more people can discover these awesome founders. And the only way to do that, or one of the ways to do that, is growing with rankings. So if you like what you're listening to, please just go onto the iTunes store, give it five stars or four, you know, or three. I'm not going to tell you what to give, but just tell whatever I deserve, you should rate that. With that, I'm signing off. See you next time. Bye.